Welcome back. This is episode 93 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast for July 2nd of 2014. I am your host, Dan Skullcrusher, and, uh, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, intro and outro music today by King Diamond, because I just bought tickets to see King Diamond in, here in Pittsburgh in October. Or, yeah, October. All right, so that's going to be Rock awesome. Hope. What? Rocktober. Rocktober. Uh, yeah, so, of course, uh, King Diamond. So, today, I am, uh, of course, you already heard my brother Klaus, and also Mr. Mike Spriggs. Uh, Mike, how are you doing, sir? Great. Uh, do you have World Cup fever yet, or still no, no, no World Cup I have fever? A, I have another virus, though. What's that? No, it's a cold. Oh, uh, you have a cold again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the gonorrhea. Summer cold. They're gonna read. No, it's a cold. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Mike, I looked it up. I looked it up online. It's either a cold or Ebola. Oh, nice. But Mike, so you don't have World Cup fever, but do you have a World Cup runny nose or a yeah. slight cough? I have a World Cup cough. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, check out our side blog episode show notes receptacle speedmetalcycling dot com. Uh, also, there is the name that Cyclist Project. We are still looking for especially a French speaker to help us out on uh, the correct, proper pronunciation of cyclists' names. The Speed Metal Cycling Kit and Jersey, the pre-sale has been extended until July 4th, America's birthday, and the day that Colombia plays Brazil in the World Cup. So get on it, people. You know you, you you want it. It is a very nice, sharp-looking kit, a very sharp-looking jersey. All right. In golf racing colors. In golf racing colors. And uh, when's the last time you treated yourself to a nice jersey? So go for it. More information at speedmetalcycling.com. And, of course, we thank our friends at Starlight for helping us out, making them, and quality ching-ching, definitely. Uh, if you want to email us and tell us how much you love us or hate us, info at speedmetalcycling.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at speedmetalcycle, or you can follow Mike on Twitter at Gage DeSoto. Right, Mike? Of course. Uh, and you can send me smoke signals. You can, <laughs> what? Smoke signals? Pa- oh, passenger yeah. pigeon. And then send a, uh, an owl with a message for, uh, for Klaus. Or you can just check out Klaus. Cyclinginquisition.com. Uh, I know for a fact that Klaus is on Twitter with a with a secret handle, and he's secretly following every single one of our listeners. Oh no, I know that. I know that definitely. I and I think I know what his secret handle is. Have you heard of a little someone named Jonathan Botters? <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm, how do you know that's not me? I don't know. How, I don't how do you know that I'm the one that decided to leave David Miller out of the Tour de France? I definitely want to talk about that in a little bit, but uh, okay, there. Uh, so yeah, speed metal cycling kids. You know they have the Steve McQueen golf racing colors from uh, uh, what was the name of the movie? Um, Electric Boogaloo. No, I brought it up. Uh, I brought it up last episode too. Whatever. Anyway, uh, break away. Michael Delaney, you know, Steve McQueen, 70s awesomeness. All right, so I said the pre-sale ends uh, July 4th. Happy birthday, America. And then they will be shipped four to six weeks later, probably closer to the four weeks, which that will be out around mid-August. The jerseys are available in two cuts, the club cut and the racing cut. 
and both are available for the ladies and the gentlemen. And the bibs are awesome, and the chamois is bananas. I can definitely tell you that. That's one of the probably reason number one that I decided to um, go with these guys, Starlight, uh, because their chamois is good, amazing. So you can order the the jersey, and you can order the bibs. You can save ten bucks if you order both, or you can you know order one or the other or whatever. So anyway, that's that. SpindleCycling.com. Go check it out. Uh, support the podcast, you know? How many hours of free entertainment have you gotten from Mike Spriggs' jokes? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, my jokes alone. Yeah, ex- no, jokes word. about you, pal. Oh, jokes at my expense? Oh, that Even too. More. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, yeah, it's like, oh, time. Mike Spriggs has herpes again. <laughs> I could do three hours of Mike Spriggs' herpes jokes a week. Which is pretty much what we do. And I do. Yes. On your other podcast called... Mike Spriggs has herpes. Look it up <laughs> yeah. on iTunes. It's, it's oh, it's huge. It, it has three listeners. Three subscribers, yeah. And I'm one of them. Um, all right, cycling. Uh, Klaus, you brought up the the Millar thing with uh, apparently Jonathan Waters made decisions behind uh, David's back. And uh, I don't know. It, it goes on Twitter again. Like... I, there's a lot of things that I feel uncomfortable with Twitter about. Like, there's stuff that should remain private. I don't know why this kind of also kind of, I don't know. Like when Mike announces that he has herpes again? <laughs> I usually go straight to Twitter for that. Yeah. No, I mean, look, you know, Jonathan Vodders, of course, had to make that decision. And there's no reason why Miller should have been included just because it's his last year. Nice of a gesture as that is if they felt he was sick and all of that. But certainly you would... I, I don't know how that stuff works, but I would think that, you know, since you're such a seasoned professional and you're expecting to do your last tour, that you would get a personal call saying, hey, you know what, I'm so sorry, but you're not going to make it or whatever. And apparently that didn't happen, nice as it would have been. I don't know. Isn't he also, like, part owner of the team? He is. Which, so, which makes me believe maybe he just made a huge presumption. That... He was on. He was on other podcasts talking about how great this final tour was going to be and how it was going to be this yeah. rolling caravan of good times. And he hired a documentary film crew to follow him for his final farewell tour. And he's the only British cyclist to have worn every jersey in the tour. I mean, there's a lot of things to celebrate about this guy's career, and I think he thought this was going to be the 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 crowning achievement regardless of of even whether he finished or not just the fact that he was starting it was enough for him i think and uh oh. and Vodders was probably like i have other ideas buddy and I'm, i'll let you know on twitter when i'm ready yeah i think i mean i didn't even know about this camera crew that is such a bummer you mike don't know him personally do you no yeah nope. you knew about the the camera crew, which he means was talking Jonathan about Waters. No, I mean, this is the thing. That's he has mean. been so um, so enthusiastic about the whole thing that I got enthusiastic. I mean, I don't, I don't even like necessarily like this guy all that much. I think he can be a bit much, you know? I mean, I think we so, sort of suffered through his, like, Saint breakdown. Miller. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He, he, he is what he is. He's a character, and, and, and he's going to be missed for sure, but... He the way he was talking about it, I was like, oh, you know what? This is cool. Like this is a this yeah. is a cool way for a guy like this to go out, and then to have it yanked. And the thing is, he even realized on Twitter what was going on. He tweeted something that said, 
hey, this is weird. None of my teammates will answer the phone. Now I'm starting to get really nervous. And I thought it was a joke because he had been in such a good mood about the whole thing all along. He was. It was kind of like one of these, like, oh, imagine if I didn't make the squad. This is funny. But then it all went downhill from there. If everybody that knows him knew what was going on and not one person, I mean, really, Jonathan Waters didn't freaking bother to give him a call or let him know? That's super shitty. I'm sorry, that's just super, super, super shitty. It was weird. So there was a documentary about the team the first year they went to the Tour de France and the whole documentary revolves around like, this is the first ever cycling team that is clean. So the whole premise is, you know, make of it what you will. But in it, there's a moment where he has to call people and tell them yes or no, if I remember correctly. So I thought that was just a matter of course. Like if it was likely that you were going to go, you'd get a call either way. And yeah, Miller was on the um, Telegraph Cycling podcast that uh, Richard Moore does. And yeah, he was talking about like, well, would he or wouldn't he go on the break or go into the Champs-Élysées first, like Hincapie did? Like, he was discussing whether he should or shouldn't. Yeah, he had the final stage planned out already. Which is, oh. It's a bummer. bummer. Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of have to feel for the guy. I mean, was it silly of him to assume? No. Maybe, but I'm I'm guessing that the team led him to believe that it was likely that he was going to go. Especially if he continues to talk about it and nobody tells him otherwise. Yeah, then you're not just making... Like, if I assumed that I was going to go to the Tour de France for Garmin, I kind of deserve to be let down because I'm kind of an idiot. But if you're in race for the team and you've been talking about it and it's likely and you're preparing for it. And you're a part owner of the team. You would then, think that somebody would tell you. Yeah, I think like you really have to make sure that that doesn't spill out and ends up with him listing his bike on Twitter for sale. <laughs> really? He did that? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. No, the whole thing couldn't be more dramatic. And then, and then he, uh, or melodramatic, I guess yeah. is the word. Uh, and then his sister got involved. And then, his, I was just going to say, and then Fran Millard jumped on vo- all over Vodders, and they started trading tweets. And uh, and to Dan's your point, like, is uh, does this all need to be public? Like, this yeah. seems like inside business is going on here. I, yeah, once the sister got involved, I was like, uh, all right, this is just preposterous. Which reminds me, there is a great uh, interview that Paul Kimmage did with Chris. Froome in the is the newspaper called the Irish Independent or forgive me if I'm getting that wrong I think it's maybe just the Independent but I think the second part is up now I think the first part got taken down but it's a great interview because in true Paul Kimmage style it's really really long he asks every question and if you were sitting there you go oh but he right then is when you have to ask him about blank and Paul Kimmage asks him about that very thing. But the reason why I bring it up is that it's weird is that the interview is done with Chris Froome's girlfriend there in the room and she's weighing in. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah she was like answering. She was like, well, Chris doesn't know cycling history. I was like, what, is, what kind of – this is so weird. Wow. Jesus, right? Well, I mean it seems more – to me it's a, a bit different. Maybe it's just my way of seeing the world. So correct me if I'm wrong. But – to me, it's different when you see someone like Greg LeMond and Kathy LeMond wanting to do things together because at this point, it's not about the here and now, but rather 
a life of memories and bad things and good things that they've gone through together. And at that point, it seems like, well, they're kind of a team and they weathered their storm together. But when it's Chris Froome, I'm like, does she need to be in the room? It seems kind of weird. Maybe it makes him feel better, so I get that. But it's kind of odd, too. So that's why I like to have David Miller's sister weigh in. And, of course, I know she's in the business. She works for Team Sky, but it's still kind of weird. Very, very weird. And about the girlfriend thing, I have a wife and I think if I were ever to be interviewed for anything the last thing I would want is her there especially be, like who the hell is Froome's girlfriend she, she's um, she's someone with a deleted Twitter account oh really they take it down right yeah why like, she started going after Cookson on Twitter and somebody somewhere maybe Brailsford made a call and was like hey lady you need to unplug this Twitter machine wow nothing Man. else she brought us Froome dog that Man, I'm totally out of it. I, I had no idea that was going this on. This was after the Wiggins uh, Froome thing at the tour when Wiggins won the tour, and she said, like, basically referring to the fact that Chris Froome was being treated like a dog. Uh, like, and like, oh, you can always, you know, use up your Froome dog or something <laughs> like that. And then at the World Championships in Denmark, was it that year or whatever, someone wrote on the road really big, Froome dog. <laughs> So she at least brought us that. That's Ugh. pretty good. No, no, that's not good. That's terrible. That is I terrible. Don't know. It's none of it, her business. Ugh. It's kind of weird. I don't know. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. And before anybody says that I'm being sexist, I'm not. I'm not saying it's terrible because she's a woman. I'm terrible because a girlfriend or boyfriend that is not. You have no business. You have no. Just shut the fuck up. I don't know. That's why. I mean, to me, it just seems like. When people interview Greg LeMond now for certain things when Kathleen LeMond is there, it just it's about a broader thing than his sporting career. It's about how things affected his life at home. It just seems like a broader scope than someone asking Chris Froome, like, hey, so tell us about your inhaler. And she's like, well, the thing that Chris... And I'm like, whoa, okay. Well, <laughs> go ahead. I get why maybe Chris Froome wanted her there. I'm sure he did. Um, so I, I sent you guys a couple of links a couple of days ago. Uh, one of them is a cycling news, um, article, an opinion on the commercial challenges of pro cycling. I'll put a link to it at, uh, speedmetalcycling.com so you can read the whole thing. It's really interesting. It's, you know, a lot of it is the same old, same old. And, but I, I wanted to bring it up because... It talks about things that, like, you know, what we all, what we know, that TV coverage is weak, sponsors don't know if their team that they sponsor is going to be in the Tour de France, and, you know, whatever. But one of the things that continues to come up in all these articles and all these things is this whole idea of the onboard cameras and power, yeah. power wattage information and, like, access to the radio, team radio, so you can put on TV. I couldn't disagree more with that. I could not disagree more with that. Just because Formula One does it, well, Formula One, look what they do. They do this and they do that and they should blah, 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 blah. But Formula One is in a shitload of trouble right now as well. And people are leaving Formula One and sponsors are leaving Formula One and fans are leaving Formula One. So it's a terrible, horrible thing to compare yourself to Formula One. Besides that, it is, it's, 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 it's radically different to have an onboard view of a Formula One car where there's stuff to look at and it makes sense as opposed to a camera mounted on a bicycle or, God forbid, on a helmet where it's not really showing you absolutely 
anything that could help you in any way understand the race in any way that would be interesting or good for the live performance. I've said this before too. If it's like the cameras that they've had on the Giant Shimano bikes, and you see it afterwards, you're like, oh my god, that's crazy. Like, the, the, you know, like the, the, the leader train, whatever, like going through the peloton and looking for, you know, I mean, trying to set up their sprinter and stuff. It's really interesting after the fact, yes. I don't want to see that while the race is going on. Yeah, I think yeah. what would end up happening is you could only really cut away to that in moments when the race is kind of slow, because if something is really, really happening, you need a broader picture. You're right. Those videos, they're super exciting. Hearing the guy scream, like, oh, to the left, to the left, to the left, is exciting. But I've watched that video like three times, and if you ask me who won, or at, the, at times I lose track, I'm like, wait, that camera's on that, wait, he's part Who's of the lead out, or is it, I don't know what's going on. So it's cool. But I don't know what the hell's going on. I think the only thing it could do, and they mentioned it in that article, is that it's a potential revenue stream if the teams charge because they would be producing that footage. So I guess in, in that sense, there's maybe something to it. The other thing that's brought up in that article that's interesting is the fact that if the teams got together, they could organize a couple of races and benefit from them. Right. Well, you know, here, here's the thing, too. And, and, you know, we go back to the, to the comparison to Formula One. In Formula One, the, the, the governing body of Formula One exists separately than Formula One as a business, which is run by the very dubiously loved uh, Bernie Eccleston. And Bernie has made a lot of mistakes as well. But he basically has, is, is the one that is responsible for bringing Formula One into the Middle East and therefore brought a lot of money into it. But at the same time, in the other article that I sent you guys, uh, I'll put a link to that one as well, talking about the problems that Formula One is having right now, the fact is that Bernie Ecclestone is in his 80s and has said repeatedly that he doesn't understand the whole thing about social media and how that could even work for Formula One. So they just don't use it. So the Formula One official Twitter tweeted three times during the last Grand Prix. Mm. Wow. So Formula One is far from being perfect, but the fact that that exists, that somebody like Bernie Ecclestone exists, whose sole job is to create revenue for Formula One, is maybe what cycling needs. You know, an organization separate than the UCI and separate than the ASO that, well, obviously it's impossible for that to happen, but that can actually pull TV rights and teams can actually be paid by these TV rights and all that stuff all through this this organization, this this whatever group of people. It's much more complicated than that, I understand. But I just want to make sure, or I, or I really, really, truly hope that all these stupid gimmicks like, oh, I want to see the power output of this guy. Who gives a shit? How does that give you a better understanding of what's going on in the race? Who but cares? See, I think that's just something that the teams could give that they could get money for. But I think they're seeing it as a possible revenue stream. And at this point, if they gathered a thousand bucks for giving that out, they would take it. They they also need something to. If you've got a three or four hour stage, they need some. You need something else to look at. Granted, you need something else. You need something else that- to discuss. Like 
we always make fun of the announcers because they don't have anything to talk about. And well, why don't they have anything to talk about? Because they're looking at a 200 kilometer stage race in the middle of nowhere. Agreed. And and all you've got is HD images to look at, and that's great up to a point. But they, you know, they, they're. I think they're just thinking of ways to liven up the actual broadcast, and but- then. The sprint, the sprint cameras, and that kind of stuff would fit in perfectly with like a post stage show. And we all, we all love, you know, um, the, the post stage Giro show. And but we don't get that kind of stuff here. Like we, we because because what what can these guys do? They just kind of sit there and talk about it. But if you could get Cattell uh, up on stage and say, "Tell me what's going on right now," and and we're actually watching it from that camera, that would be crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because cool. Formula One has the 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 the, broad, the, the, the show the, the Formula One broadcasting thing, whatever in um, on Sky in England. They have a one and a half hour, one hour uh, pre-show before the race or even the qualifiers, and then an hour and a half, an hour afterwards, where very often they get the drivers up and then they go like, "Talk me through this. What happened here?" The, the problem, obviously, is that we're we're thinking about La La Land, a place where any channel would be willing to give cycling an extra two hours a day. That's just never going to happen in the United right. States. It's just True. never going to happen in the United States. But what you were saying about a 200K stage, four hours of nothing to... So then they, we, let's say that we have these power meter readings or whatever. When are those going to be shown? You're saying it's going to liven up the part in the middle of the stage where nobody cares, so the wattage output is going to be meaningless and boring, and the onboard cameras are going to be just a bunch of dudes scratching their nuts in in the middle of the peloton because nothing's going on. Because when something actually goes on, when those things would be quote-unquote interesting, you can't cut cut to those, and the the power meter output, who gives a shit about it? It's just silly. It's just dumb. It's exactly the same thing as, like, you know what they should have? They should have, like... An information on what gear they're on. I really—that's what I want to know, man. Who people gives, love that shit. It's so. St- Some people do. Some people do. Like if you have a graphic of someone's bike, like this is this is what's his face's uh, team Pinarello bike, and this is what it has, and this is what is on it, and this is what saddle he uses because he can't ride these other saddles. And oh, you want to know what kind of shoes he wears? Like. We, we, like, Klaus does forensics on photographs and he knows what kind of water bottles people are using. But, like, people would like to know that stuff. I think, I think it's part of, I think it's part of fandom. I think it's part of why people like the sport. And the fact that we have to dig around for it and we, or we have to guess or we have to do all this kind of like sleuthing is crazy. Let's see it. Like, let's see the bike. Let's see that new Canyon bike. Like, Canyon would probably pay for that. Put it up there. Spin it around. Do a 3D thing of it. Show me everything that's on it. Show me why this guy's is different from that guy's. You know, I, I don't I mean, know. it's not going to save the sport. I just think all these things, again, are just a couple of bucks in the pocket. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if you said, hey, do you want in-camera footage during races? Or do you wish that a team that wins tons of races could get more than one or two years at the top level? Of course, I'm going to pick the, you know, the second one. <clears throat> but I think they're saying... Any couple of bucks we can get, we have to take because right now, as things stand, they make no money from TV rights or anything. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the biggest problems is the TV rights. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But the okay. fact that they get nothing for it. But so back to But you've got to get the industry. See, this is the thing. It has to be a full court <laughs> press. The industry has to be on board, too. Like, you've got to get everyone working towards the same goal. Yeah. 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 
Absolutely, which is never going to happen because everybody wants to make the most. And the right. ASO and the UCI are not going to want to agree on too much if it right. comes down to, okay, I'm going to have to give you some of my money. And, you know, yep. and you know, people refer to the pie or whatever. And, and the problem with cycling is that the pie is very, very small. Yeah. So people always take care of their own thing. But the, uh, the other article that I was referring to is the Formula One um, article. I'll put an, uh, uh, a link to it as well. And it says that he could learn a lot from Vince McMahon, who is the, you know, the WWE, uh, the owner of WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. He, for those of you who may not know, he started um, another American football league outside of the NFL. Uh, shoot, I don't know. It's been like... I don't know, 20, like, 20 years ago or something yeah. like that. And it, it was called the XFL. And the XFL was like gimmick central. Um, the teams had like extreme names. And then team, like players would get paid extra and get extra points for like horrible tackles. And the yeah, cheerleaders. Yeah, for hurting other players. Yeah, for hurting other players. They were encouraged players. to like basically uh, get with the cheerleaders. Yeah, exactly. The cheerleaders we all enjoy that as viewers. We get to partake in that in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it it was just like one hundred percent gimmick. So of course it went out of business after the first season. I, I don't even think the first season even ended. It just it didn't work out. <laughs> and there was who, no XFL. Super- there was and super- who is the no. who was the quarterback that won the championship that then went on to win? A uh, uh, ring in the NFL for a Super Bowl. Really? No, I don't know. Yeah, Tommy the Tommy Gun Maddox. Oh, Tommy Gun Maddox. Yes. Wow. He went on wow. to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, basically, in the article, they talk about like because Formula One is trying a whole bunch of other different things too to get people back into Formula One or whatever. So it's not that different than what cycling is doing on a completely different scale. Of course, Formula One makes a shitload of money, but um, they're like, dude, don't make it too gimmicky because people are not gonna wanna. And I'm telling you, I, that you may ruin cycling the same way if you start doing the little gimmicks and well to make it better more friendly for tv let's make the stages shorter and have a break in between so that we can put commercials on you know i mean it's just just where do you go from there oh i just found a bernie ecclestone what he said about twitter he says i think the change that is taking place is very short-lived as the social media people are starting to think it's not as good as they thought so what wow is he i don't I don't know what he meant, but he basically said... He's also said, 90 like, years eh. old, isn't he? Yeah, he's like uh, he's in his mid-80s, I think. Is he like the Donald Sterling of Formula One? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is Formula One. He, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely is. So, so one of the three tweets you mentioned, uh, that he that there was only three F1 tweets the last Grand Prix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them was dissing Jonathan Vauders. <laughs> <laughs> For not having David Miller? That's amazing. Yeah. Well... They, they say here in this article that uh, Brazuca, which is the official ball of the World Cup, has the gum Brazuca. Yeah, has two million followers on. on oh Twitter. my god! The what? official Formula One Twitter feed has eight hundred thousand. Wow! I wonder what the mo- what the biggest. Oh, it's got to be Lance. Never mind. I was going to say what the most followed Twitter account in the bike world would be, but it's got to be Lance, right? You it's got like millions. Think. Has to be. Yeah, but you know, I mean, most of those people weren't even cycling fans. They're just like that's true. Yeah, yeah. Tardos. But I think that, uh, huh? 
That's a very interesting question, Mike. I think I'm going to do some research on that. Some research. Remember the game that I put together that one time, which was Who Has More Who has more? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> Maybe we, I may have to do that again. Yeah. Yes, yes, you may have to do that again. Pipo Posato. Pipo Posato or Craig Hummer. <laughs> By the way, so Craig Hummer, I guess, was the ghostwriter for um, Hank Appy's yes. book. The Loyal Lieutenant. Which ha- is the book in history that has the most adjectives ever. Really? The excerpts I saw were hilarious. Like, we rolled over the sunny, warm, yellow afternoon sky. And I was like, <laughs> wow. How many ways can you describe the sun? That's ama- There's so many adjectives. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh... It's almost as though, like, Craig Hummer or someone had written it. <laughs> I mean, really, how do you listen to a guy like Kirk Hummer and you go, you know what I, what he should, what he would be really good for? Ghost writing a book. What's next? Go-Go? What, Greg Gogolski? Todd Gogolski? Gogolski, Todd Gogo. He's writing Levi's book. Oh. Does Levi, he probably has a book. Does he have a book? If he doesn't, I don't know what he's waiting for. What's the next book we're waiting for? Is there one? I'm still waiting to get hunger. I haven't been able to get it. I haven't read it. And I'm very upset about that. Wait, which one? What? Sean Kelly's. Oh. Oh. Is that new? Uh, last year. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Can is you... it 17,000 pages long? It would be awesome if it was 33. <laughs> it's like eight volumes. It would be amazing. I don't know how long it is, but... Uh, right, the now, audio, the, right now, it's sold out everywhere I've seven... looked. It sold out everywhere I've looked, and then you can find it for like thirty six dollars. I'm not gonna pay thirty six dollars for a book. The audio book. The audio book. Oh, would be like it would be brilliant. No, sixty audio hours books. long. Yeah. So right now, how well did it sell? Like, where is it ranked in the Amazon classement? Thirty third. Thirty third. With bonifications. <laughs> oh, it has a many. You they know, have to make um, the calculations. For this past uh, weekend, I was I rode I was riding my bike on very rural roads, like just like kind of paved, but kind of rocks, kind of just all over the place. And all I could think about is how every year at Perry Roubaix, Sean Kelly says that the 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 roads are used for some agricultural work. <laughs> I don't know for some reason that one just stuck in my mind, and I couldn't help but think that I was riding on roads that were done were for for some agricultural work. <laughs> um, what what are the next books that are coming out? I'm sure Levi Lifehimer will have one. Uh, I'm, I'm actually I want to get Richard Moore's new book. Hey, top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, by the way, is it out yet in the U.S.? I don't think so. It should be. The goddamn race starts on Saturday. I know it better be. So yeah, a while back I mentioned I had a blog post about talking to Lucha Herrera on the phone for an interview. I can now tell you that that's the book that it was for. So uh, I helped Richard Moore with that chapter. And um, you know yeah, it should be do. a really good book. I would love to get him on the podcast because there's so many awesome things that I would like to ask him, not only about both books, yeah. but also about his podcast. I think it would be interesting to hear how – I mean, you know, how to get, from, how to get sponsors from our shitty, yeah, no, from our shitty perspective as like the crappiest uh, cycling podcast of all times to a podcast that is presented by Jaguar. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I would like to just poke him a little bit and see what I mean. He's a cool dude. 
I like him, and, and I, it'll be interesting. Maybe I should shoot him an email and be like, he, he wants to come on and just chat with us for, like, 15 minutes. I think someone like Richard and Lionel Bernie and people that, you know, they write for major newspapers and publications, and they're yeah. the journalists that follow the tour on a daily basis, you know, they have the kind of knowledge and pull to, you know, create the kind of content that someone can clearly get behind, like a sponsor, because, you know, they can just nudge someone and say, hey, can we talk to you? And that person is like David Millar. Oh, no, no, no. Exactly. No, absolutely. But I just want to do it every day for the tour. And I just yeah, want to. Which is amazing. I would love to ask him questions about it, you know? Yeah. So in the book, I don't know if you saw the interview that I did with Richard. The chapter I can't wait to read is it, is it Urs Zimmerman? Yes. Urs. Yeah. yeah. Who I, when I saw that he did a chapter about the rest day, I looked into it. And yeah, I mean, all the accounts were that he was afraid of flying. And it turns out that wasn't the case. He just finds professional cyclists to be unbelievably boring and couldn't stand another day of being only around professional cyclists. So he chose to not fly with the riders, but just go in a truck with mechanics. So I'll, I'll um, well, two things there, just in case people don't know what we're talking about. Maybe we lost a couple of people. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, uh, Richard is an author, right? He wrote um, "Slaying the Badger," "Slaying the Badger," search for uh, Robert Miller, and yeah, and now he wrote this book that is basically it highlights. It's called "Etap." Etap, and it highlights different stages or days throughout tour history that he found finds interesting for one reason or another, and then each chapter is a different stage, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to a day off because of the Urs Zimmerman story. And Klaus, cyclinginquisition.com, did an interview with him. Not with Urs Zimmerman. <laughs> that would have been awesome, Klaus. Yeah, that would be cool. If you can get a, I think, if you get an interview with Urs Zimmerman, I think Jaguar would probably sponsor the podcast. That's Definitely. what I need to do. Yes, yes, you do. So anyway, so you can go check out maybe that Fiat. interview. Maybe Fiat. Yes. Uh, maybe Kia. Um, Sastaba will actually... Um, so go check it out. That interview is actually very, very interesting. Um, interview with, uh, Richard Moore. And hopefully we can get him on here. I, I, I just now thought about that. That would actually be pretty cool. So I listen to a bunch of podcasts that are sponsored by stamps.com. Maybe we could just get stamps.com. Yeah. Mark Maron's podcast. Um, a bunch of other ones. I just feel like every time I'm listening to something, it's like stamps.com. Like who buys stamps.com? They're like, so they've got money to throw around. We should just keep that in mind. We should. All right. I'm gonna yeah, like the town bicycle of podcast sponsorship. Like everyone gets a ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, gentlemen, the Tour de France starts this weekend. Uh, the Gage and DeSoto Fantasy League is up. Oh, yes. Go to GageDeSoto.com. Uh, or actually, you can go to SpeedMetalCycling.com. I'll put a link to it it's there as well. But... Uh, GageDesoto.com, and then you click news, and there it is. And so make sure you get on that, and there's a prize for the winner, correct, Mike? Yep, always. Always a prize. Oh, and if anyone's listening and that when won the Giro, get in touch with me, because you didn't leave a name or anything. No one contacted me. What was the name of the team? I can't even remember. Hmm. Well, if you won the Giro, don't lie now. Don't be like, oh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> I guess I suppose that I just opened myself up to fraud nah, right there. But. No, who, who, who's going to do that? People, that would be a really shitty thing to do. But anyway, 
So get on that, and there's a prize there, and rock and roll. You can go head-to-head against the Skull Crusher, and I have never finished uh, in the top 25. Uh, I think this <laughs> this Jiro was the closest I ever got, and I think I was like 31. Klaus, are you doing it? Ah, uh, maybe I should. You, you should, should, buddy, come on. I'm trying to convince the wife. Up. I'm trying to convince the wife to get another team in there because she actually I, did like I think it was the Welta or something a couple years ago, and she did pretty well. <laughs> and she just picked guys who she thought had a funny name. That's and, as good as any. And did well. I know. That's how John Jonathan Barters does it. <laughs> <laughs> so he picks his team. Oh, I couldn't resist. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> Tweet David Miller that joke. <laughs> no. He, he must- just got over it today. No. He finally put it behind him today. Oh, oh, man. If, you, if you tweet him that joke, then his uh, uh, sister is going to get pissed off. Yeah, see? Swing over I'll get blocked. Point. Yeah, I don't want that. You get punched hey, in the face. So, do you guys want to do a, a one-question cycling trivia? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I know the answer, and you're not going to, but that's part of the fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you're going to get this. Okay, go ahead. Where was Chris Horner born? And I, if you get kind of close, you get India. Kenya. India. Kenya. Kenya. Kenya, shit. Kenya, India, same thing, no? You think Chris Horner is from Africa? Yeah. 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 You realize I'm not talking about Chris Froome. He's as African as Chris Froome. I'm just, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Chris Horner is from Japan. Oh, that's right. Shoot, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. Is that even possible? I knew it. Yeah, he was born in a in a in a base? Air Force base. Okinawa. In Okinawa. Uh, that's not really Japan. I mean, I guess it is. But yeah, Okinawa? but I mean, it's American Prefix, soil. Sure. It's American yeah. soil. But dang it, I knew that. I can't believe. Can't and where was David Miller born? Uh, Kenya. Wait, oh, wait. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. No, that's Malta. Malta. Yes, he was born ah. in Malta. I know somebody from Malta. My friend Simon Borg. And his last name really is Borg. I used Borg. to drink Pony Malta. <laughs> that was a great it's drink. My drink it's a champions. delicious uh, Colombian drink that is... I don't believe you. ...bread and water <laughs> run through a blender. Well, you can buy it as Malta Goya here in the United States. Could I make it in my Vitamixer? Yes. Dude... Honestly, that's what it tastes like. And it has like 800 calories per It is so <laughs> good, though. It, no, it's actually only like 170 calories for... But the bottles are like tiny. No, no, no. The twelve ounce. I mean, the the, the smaller uh, eight ounce bottles have less. But I used to consume them by the truck full. But not anymore because they are quite fattening. Um, but wait, what were we talking about before? The Tour de France. The Tour yes. de France. So looks to be a pretty good tour, right? Except Carlos Betancourt is not going to be in it because he has herpes, right? What is it that <laughs> Where he did has? He get- where do you get herpes from? <laughs> from Mike. From Mike. Hanging out with you, dude. Uh, wait, what is it that he has? Herpes. He has it on his kneecap. <laughs> no, seriously, doesn't no, he? No, that's have where the boil was. Right, well, yeah. that, isn't that what herpes is? No, he had a weird growth in his knee. Which oh, was in his knee? Like, I thought it was an open, festering sore on his knee. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's more like a bump. Oh. But he does have herpes, though, right? It's something like a, a a virus that's related. Is it shingles? Like to, shingles is like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, what are the symptoms? I mean, is he not being able to ride because his like hands are swollen? Or the symptom is not being able to show up to France. Apparently. Ah, uh, shit. Then I, I that's what I have because I don't like going to France. 
Yeah, you. It's like anti-France herpes. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, did you guys know that today the U.S. is playing Belgium at the World Cup? So uh, Waffle House said that today they're not serving uh, waffles because they're Belgian to support oh, the U.S. Awesome. team. How awesome is that? Really? Yeah, it's like a little joke That's thing. Like, no Belgian fries. waffles today. Yeah, they're gonna come like freedom. I live free waffles. I don't know. What I don't know. They're, they're not serving Belgian waffles today. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I thought that was good. I still want the U.S. to lose, but yeah, it's pretty funny. What happens if they win? Then they go on to the semifinals. Uh, what happens when U.S. Argentina? plays Colombia? Uh, unlikely to happen. Pe people die. <laughs> Very unlikely. To Colombia. In Colombia, yeah. Yeah, in Colombia. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Uh, I mentioned that like seven people have died already in Colombia from celebrations or whatever. And there was like uh, a pretty famous um, uh, columnist, rep reporter, I don't know, whatever, in Colombia that wrote an article about how he wishes, he hopes that Colombia doesn't make it any farther in the in the tournament. Because Just to save the population? It, yeah, exactly. But he's talking about like seven people have died. I'm thinking, well, there's still 48 million that are yeah. alive. So I think we're doing pretty well. I, I, we yeah. can spare a few more. Totally. Plus, yeah, uh, soccer, I, I, Colombia winning games is it's not killing people. Pe people being retarded are, is, is what's killing people. And those people are going to be just as retarded whether or not Colombia wins the World Cup or not. Yeah, it's like the NRA sticker, right? Soccer doesn't kill people. Idiots kill people. Exactly. So if you really want to solve the problem, you shouldn't be like, oh, I hope Colombia loses. You should be like, they should kill themselves, these people. Just, just saying. Just saying. How, when does this thing end, this World Cup? It ends the day of the final. <laughs> Based on that question, Mike, I, I think you have just confirmed that you don't have World Cup fever. <laughs> Definitely well, not. You're definitely <laughs> immune to... I'm immune. I built up immunity. Yeah. You know, the last time I knew any, I thought about soccer, I was in the fifth grade. And mm. I've sucked at it. But, Mike, do you, are you partially immune to it because other people around you have contracted it? No no one I know has it. You yeah. guys, I guess, apparently. But, There's no, I just... It's it's everywhere in the city. It's ev it's in every restaurant that has a TV or, or, or has... Yeah, on the TV on the wall is showing it, but I'm not gonna. I, I don't. I'm not interested. I was about to say there was that article in the New York Times about the, uh, you know, high end creative class, quote unquote, in New York City has soccer fever. Apparently, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything against it. I just don't have an interest in figuring out what's going on. It's not really that difficult, dude. You feel <laughs> it's soccer. You love it as much as you love cyclocross. Just say it. Yes. <laughs> You don't have cyclocross. <laughs> is cyclocross is there, fever a thing? Is there, is, is there such a thing? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Cyclocross fever. All right, dude. So uh, the final, actually, you asked, is on the 13th. Of what month? Of July. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's like, Jesus Christ, it's going to go till October? Okay, you well, know what I'm going to do? It's a season-long thing. I don't you, know. I'm going to tell you something, Mike. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give yeah. you three countries. Yeah. And one of them has already been eliminated. You have to guess which one has already been eliminated. Okinawa. Oh, that okay. was something else. Okay. Oh, so you're good. You're remembering. Only one of these countries has already been eliminated. The other two are in. Okay. All right. Okay. I can do this. Costa Rica, oh. France, England. 
England, I know, has been eliminated. Oh, dang it. All right. Well, Costa Rica is through. They, they're playing Holland. Or not Holland, the Netherlands. I'm sorry. I came into the club last night, and he was an English fan, and he, he tipped his, he's told me that his team is no longer in it. Yeah, neither is Italy. He said they, he made a joke. He said they, they, booked, they only booked their hotel rooms night by night because he knew they weren't going to be there. <laughs> so that was his joke. That's funny. Yeah, it's kind of sad when Nigeria and Algeria make it farther than Italy, Spain, or England. But Italy, Italy's not in it? Nope. I thought they were really good. If they had changed their name, their name to Italeria. <laughs> An- another bit of really unimportant Tour de France um, information. Information. Guess how many U.S. riders will be competing in their first Tour de France this year? Ooh, that's it's a really impressive good. number. Wait for the Wait. first time, huh? Yeah. A baker's dozen. Oh, um, come yeah, on. that's uh, too many. Six. Four. Ah, I take it back. I guess it's not that many. It is four. <sighs> Peter Stetna. Baker's dozen. Four. Wait, Peter Stetna wasn't there last year? Danny Pate. Danny Pate wasn't there last year? So Danny Pate has done, has finished three tours. Oh. Oh, okay. Ben King has finished zero. Alex House, zero. Ted King started one, but didn't finish. So this could be his first one, and Peter Stetna. Oh, here's the last one. How many has Chris Horner finished? Zero. Seventeen. Six? Pretty crazy, huh? What's the best he ever did? Uh, Give me a second. He won the Vuelta. Well, yeah, I know that. (laughs) What's his best Tour de France finish? He won the Vuelta. (laughs) Um, It is. I'm looking that up right now. Tour de France, ninth? Ninth. Really? He was in 2010. And then he oh, was recently. 13th in 2012. Wow. And he did not finish in 2011. I'm surprised. So, who's Lamprey bringing? Chris Orner. And other people. Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Serpa. Yeah, I yes, know, sir. Serpa. No, I mean, do you have the whole lineup somewhere? Uh, yeah, I just had it. Hold on one second. Chimolai. Is that how you say that guy's name? Yeah, I think so. Chino. Um, what? Chamolai. Chamolai. Wait. Um, oh, Sasha Modolo, Rui Costa. Uh, I know that Rui, Rui Costa said that he wasn't feeling, and he wasn't very good. Form, he wasn't really expecting anything out of the tour, so they're riding for Chris Horner. No, Costa. Oh, okay, they're riding for Costa. They gotta be. Chris Horner's like 50 years old, he's only 42. But Rui Lamprey, Costa? Rui Costa is listed first, so I guess that means something. Yeah. Uh, Max Ricesi, Ricesi, see, Jose Serpa, yeah, Christian Durasek. Yes. Sacha Modolo. Davide Cimolai. Nelson Oliveira. Chris Orner. <laughs> and Rafael Valls. Do you think uh do you think that they bring uh what's his face just so that Rui Costa has somebody to talk to in Portuguese? I think so. Nelson Oliveira. Oliveira. Like, uh dude, he, he gets bored and his English is terrible. Let's just give him another person to speak Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. What team is Pizzato going to end up on now that he's been left out of two, two big races? Uh, so, 
what's his status, right? The team is not happy with him, you said. His status is probably 17... 17,000 emojis. <laughs> that is that doesn't yeah. mean <laughs> Oh, you mean his you mean his race stats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like is he is he leaving the team, right? They don't want him. They're on I don't him. think they want him. I think they've had it. I think they've had it. With what though? What has he done? His antics. What do you mean what has he done? What's what? Tell All he does is make Instagram videos. That's it. It, that's his job. It. He goes to Beverly Hills and just makes videos. But that's my that so what? I know that well. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I, I don't care, but the, the team cares. I don't understand why he's still winning all the time. Oh, he yeah. wins an Instagram. <laughs> he wins an Instagram constantly. How yeah. many Instagram followers do you think he has? Oof, geez, oh, Jesus! Kind of, I'm going uh, to tell you right now. One hundred and eighty-six thousand. No, no like way. Thirty-five thousand. Am I way off? Like something like that. that Thirty-five hundred. You mean? That one time he thought he was winning at Instagram and he raised his hands and he wasn't. <laughs> he has 13,000. That's 13, pretty thousand. good for cycling. Yes. Not bad. That's not right. bad at all. That's not bad at all. He um, made a video the other day. I should send it to you. It's so awesome. Just for the sound effects alone. He, he put, as in usual people of fashion, he spliced together like 1,300 nanosecond frames into a feature <laughs> film. Jesus. That's so good. Uh, wow. And it's all in his hotel room. Maybe <laughs> maybe what he could do is go to Omega Pharma and help Mark Cavendish because look how good of a job um, Pataki is doing. Yeah, him. he's doing a great job. Hey, uh, listen, though. Um, what's his name? Uh, he's leaving FDJ. Um, sprinter. Yeah, yeah, and they're saying he's going to Cofidis. Yeah. Apparently Oof. that's the rumor. But then Cofidis left Jerome Coppell out of the tour lineup. So now Coppell is looking for a, for a, for a team. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jerome Coppell goes back to FDJ and they just do a switcheroo? Trade. That would be funny. Uh, and also, another thing that I have here, um, the little vial uh, that was found by a fan in the in Paris-Roubaix after the uh, crash. Remember that? Mm-hmm. From back in the day? Well, yeah. it, it got tested and there was nothing illegal in it. What was it? I don't know. I didn't you can't just it. say nothing illegal. You got to know what it is. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me now. You expect me to read this thing? Where, where, where was it? Where did you see this? Uh, the, the original story. I think I read on Cycling News or maybe Velo News. I don't remember. But uh, okay, none of these substances. Okay, it's uh, the UKAD worked with the UCI and the Cycling Anti-Doping Foundation to have the substances of the vial identified by a Swiss lab for doping analysis. LAD. And the report found the painkiller ibuprofen, the stimulant caffeine, which is thought to help prevent cramping, and theophylline, a substance found naturally in tea and cocoa that can treat asthma. None of these substances are part of the WADA prohibited list. No doping substances could be detected in the white powder transferred by the UCI. This is called artisanal doping. I was about to say, yeah, like found in cocoa. Like, what? What kind of artisanal doping are we up to here? <laughs> I just, I just hashtag artisanal doping. Just, just who, who, cu- who curated that vial? Ibuprofen, this, the stimulant caffeine, quinine. Q U I N. That's in tonic water. Quinine. Really? Yeah. Which is quinine. What happened? I thought this. It also cures malaria. 
I thought this was a real sport. Yeah, right? This is crazy. It's like a bunch, way, of, a bunch of old ladies like – what's that? Oh, no. I was just going to say cycling news. Thank you for pointing out to us that cy- that caffeine is a stimulant, like the stimulant caffeine. caffeine. Like I've never heard of that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Thank you for telling me what caffeine <laughs> is, which is found in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that part I can figure out. Thank you. Just found in Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah. You are such a Boston guy. You have to say Dunkin' Donuts and not Starbucks. I love Dunkin' Donuts. Of course you do. You're from Boston. Like, yeah, true. It's a thing. It's it fun. is a thing. Boston people prefer Dunkin' Donuts for their coffee? Oh my god, yes. And donuts. Well, yeah. Really? Actually, I'll go for a Crella if I'm in Boston. Good lord almighty. Yeah. Dude, in Boston. You guys- don't get me grieved. You guys are always pulling crazy Colombian snacks out of your, out of yeah, your ass. True. <laughs> but why is And Boston- I mentioned crawlers, and you're like, oh, man, crawlers. <laughs> what? That's so weird, Mike. Stop being weird on purpose. Stop being, stop being from Boston. That's just weird. Stop talking about major dunk, uh, like donut chains that are everywhere around the world. Yeah, but the thing with Dunkin' Donuts, that it, it's a Boston thing, and they're everywhere in Boston. You don't really see that many... Uh, Starbucks. I mean, in New England in general, like in Connecticut, there is probably three Dunkin' Donuts per one Starbucks. There's a Dunkin' Donuts near my parents' house that has a Dunkin' Donuts branded ATM machine in it (laughs) that I take a picture of every time I'm home because it's so awesome. And I'm like, I, I kind of want to use it because I, I would just hope that the actual, like, not real money, but some sort of Dunkin' Donuts money would come out of it. Wow. <laughs> not, so do, not donuts come out of it. No, Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, donuts money. money, like Monopoly money or something. They could only spend in other Dunkin' Donuts. I didn't like know Disney that dollars. Dunkin' Donuts was such a heavy, like, oh, uh, oh. Boston thing. Yeah. There's one Dunkin' Donuts, at, like, every 300 yards in Massachusetts. <laughs> it is, like... Yeah. Starbucks is pretty much everywhere else. Yeah. I I really I had no idea. I mean, I knew that America runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> Don't get That's me wrong. True. No, it's true. That's all you knew, though. But that uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that Boston runs on Dunkin' exclusively. Yeah. Yes, pretty, pretty much. much. Or Massachusetts as a whole. As yeah, a whole. New England, Here's the, the beauty of Dunkin' Donuts: the volume is so high in Dunkin' Donuts in up there or anywhere actually, but. The coffee you get is always fresh because it's being made constantly. Constantly, yeah. So yeah. My, here's a question, Mike. You you like coffee. Yeah. Is yeah. it – I mean I know it's probably not the best quality coffee you've ever had. But for a quick coffee, is it comparable to – I like – I mean I like it. It's very – it's pretty strong without being – I mean they've blended it. It's got a crazy blend. You ever you ever hear like like chefs or like people who are actual foodies will say like, oh, but I love – you know. McDonald's cheeseburgers or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. For a certain particular like reason, some like people whatever. That are like the the best wine for under fifteen dollars, and like yeah. this actually comes in a box. Crazy, yeah, these crazy wine connoisseurs that love cheap wine. Bronzia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that That's, for the coffee. It's it's people. It's good coffee. I think. I mean, I think it's been it's been blended to taste to be really palatable, and it's really coffee flavored. It's not strong. It's not bitter. It's, it's as far as I can tell, it's got a lot of caffeine in it. Like it's whatever they've done to the blend, it, it does the job. So yeah, you go in and get a medium Dunkin' Donuts coffee with cream or something in it. You're done. You're set. You're so good. for for those listening in Canada, just substitute Dunkin' Donuts for like Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons and then yeah. people in England can just think of like Pret or something. And then people just... in England can think of like fish and chips. Ooh ooh ooh. Fish, fish and ch- I'm sorry, I sounded like a monkey, but I just said fish and chips, <laughs> and it reminded me of this story. 
we were watching one of the World Cup games uh, with a friend at a bar, and this lady next to me ordered a fish and chips, and I gave her the dirtiest look. I'm sorry. I, I, th I find it incredibly rude to order fish and chips when you're at a bar. I know in England it must be all the rage or whatever, but dude, that dish stinks. It <laughs> reeks. And this lady's eating it next to me. It was like nauseating. I gave her such a dirty look. Plus, she was also like 950 pounds. So I gave her the you are fat look as well. But that's like bar food. Fish, that's yeah, what do you go? Fish and I chips don't, don't, don't order it when I'm sitting at the bar. Just go somewhere else. It's disgusting. I don't give a shit if it's bar food or not bar food. It's disgusting. It stinks. It reeks. I mean, they'll be like me just puking all over her. It's the no, bar. It's the <laughs> bar, dude. I what? I'm drunk. I'm the bar. Or just grabbing a barstool and just breaking it over her fat head. Oh, it's a bar. It's a brawl. You know, it's a bar. Ma Mike, you're going to be going to the UK. Will you be partaking in fish and chips? I'll try. That's a good idea. When Rome, do as the Romans do. Yeah. yeah if anyone in, uh, in England at pubs uh, cares the, about the smell of anyone objects. No one's I would care. like I mean, to know. I would like chips. to know. We have, a lot of, I, we have a lot of listeners in the Great Britain. I would love to know if anybody else is bothered by that. But they, I don't, no I don't, one's going to be bothered by it. Dude, it That's stinks, the, man. Fish smells bad. So what bad. if she ordered macaroni and cheese? That would have been fine. It's I very cheesy. It's the smell. fish. It's the fish, dude. Yeah, but it's in. We ordered. In a it's fried. Yeah, it's fried. But it stinks. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it. I, I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't like the also, smell. Oh, I'm not a proponent of it. I'm just saying in general, like it's encased in batter, and also it's barely fish. I don't know what's in Have there. Have you like, ever smelled it, Klaus? Um, it's delicious. Now oh. I want fish and chips for dinner. <laughs> I actually, I went to a pub thing in London. To meet with someone and they ordered it, it, but the whole time I was actually more flabbergasted by something else and I could not pay attention to the smell, which was at this place, which was like a, a pub, British pub kind of thing or whatever. Pub? It had it had carpeted floors. <laughs> what? what? Imagine going to a bar in the US that's, you know, not nice, but not a hole in the wall, where greasy food is served oh, and there's man. just carpeted flooring. Oh, you know how many beers have been spilled yeah. and there's probably like teeth encrusted into the carpeting? I Just the whole time I couldn't stop staring at the carpet. Now that is weird. Yeah, I think that's what I was smelling, not the fish and chips. Yeah, actually, the carpet probably reeks. Ugh. Okay, gents, um, are you guys ready to give me a Tour de France podium prediction? Oh. You did like you didn't know I was gonna ask. Oh, for totally the love forgot. of Christ! Yeah, right. Come on, guys. All right, Klaus, you go first. No. <laughs> okay. Oof. Who is third? Like, who is good? <laughs> Nibali. Oh yeah, I guess, huh? And Rodriguez he is he there. He wants it. Rodriguez is there. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go with the super safe bet. I know there's going to be someone for third that's like I don't I am not thinking of like he's probably Polish, but I'll just say Room <laughs> <laughs> Contador Nibali. Okay. Uh hold on, I'm writing it down. I'm very ill prepared compared to how much better of a outlook I had, a clear outlook I had uh For the Giro, I have to say. Uh, yeah, you, you were still way off, though. Uh, was 
I, actually, I can't even remember to tell you the truth. I had Quintana, Uran, and then... Mm. And somebody in Cadell events, I think, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wasn't even in, like, top five or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Mike, you so, are next. But I got to go Froome. Froome. His I'm girlfriend. Gonna go, I'm going to go... Is this, this is in order, right? His yeah. girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's a podium, Mike. Of course. Ah, just give it. We should get to pick just three. Any three. No. No, we got. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go way out on a limb. Okay, that's what you should do. Yeah. And I'm going to say Froome. Okay. Contador. <laughs> Oof, that limb is way out. Talansky. Talansky. Did you hear that limb just crack? Yes. I like the pick. I like the picky pick. Talansky. I'm going to put all my money behind Jonathan Vauder's insane Twitter <laughs> cancellation of David Millar and say there better be something good behind this. And it better be Talansky on the podium. For American uh-huh. fans, TJ Van Garderen will be there too for what that's worth. Maybe he'll do something great. Yep. And Darwin Atapuma will be riding for him. Talansky yes. will have uh, Janier Acevedo ha- riding Acevedo, for him. Yes. Three yeah, Colombians at this point. A pretty situation. young team, yeah. More Colombians than British riders. That's crazy. Right? That's and insane. Starts in, starts in the United Kingdom. More Colombians than Brits. Ooh. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Isn't that right? Because how many British people? I heard that there's, aside from Chris Froome, there's like maybe Garen one. Thomas. Garen Thomas. That's it. That's it? I thought. Because Dowsett's out. Yeah. Um, All right. You ready for mine? Yeah. I'm yes. going Contador. Number one? Number one. Wow. Number two, Valverde. No, number three, Rodriguez. Wow. wow. I am going for an right all-Spanish podium. That podium's from 2009. And it's going to repeat itself. <laughs> watch. Just you watch. I was going to say Talansky as well, but I replaced Talansky for Rodriguez last minute just because you said Talansky, so... Okay, I didn't fair enough. It's like when you're at a restaurant and you don't want to order the same thing your buddy just ordered. Exactly. Because he just ordered fish and chips. Fish and chips. <laughs> so, I was off. D- depending on how you want to count, I mean, realistically, there's actually four British writers. So, they do beat Colombia. The thing is, Chris Froome is one of them. I know, he's British, Quest, right? But, but, yeah, depending on how you count them. So, there's uh, Chris Froome, Garrett Thomas, Mark Cavendish, and Simon Yates. Oh, Yates, yeah. So, in order to be considered a British cyclist, you have to be a knight. <laughs> there's none, because Chris... There's zero. There Am I right no that Chris Froome wasn't knighted? No, you're right. He wasn't knighted. He can't and be knighted. So I think you have to be born... Is he jealous in... like Wiggins was He's... and he wasn't? No, of you... course. Wouldn't you be? No, you can't be knighted yeah. if you weren't born in, in, in the UK. I think that's oh, one that's of the things. Right. Yeah, didn't we already? I, f- talk I have about a feeling this. that there's like American knights. I think there's different levels. Well, there is, there is a. But it's called something else. It's like an right. honor. You it's can a, be. Given. It's a colonel, and <laughs> you can be. No, Kentucky I swear. Colonel. You can be like, colonelled in Kentucky in the colonel state of Sanders. Kentucky. Which oh, is yeah, why. Remember, yeah. we looked that up. Yeah, uh, because we had a friend, Rob Warner, who wanted to be colonelled, and now oh, you can true. buy a colonelship in Kentucky. You can pay the state, and you'll become a colonel, and that's the kind of colonel that that. Colonel Sanders is. He's obviously not in the military. He's he was all old and war white and chickeny. So Colonel yeah. Froome, Colonel Froome is going to win. 
Okay, that's what you say. And then Cont the Contador is going to be second, and Andrew Talansky will be third. That's your oh, prediction. Oh, dude, you know what's going to happen if Contador does anything wrong. What? What's his face? Uh, Tinkoff is going to cut his hand off while yeah. he sleeps. That would be awesome. I can't wait. And with, but I feel like the loss of Kreutziger is a big, is kind of a big yes. deal. That dude's yes. an animal. Yes, but that dude's an animal with bio passport issues. Jesus, Jesus Hernandez will be there. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So Saxo Bank. You mean? I, I don't know you if mean they have Tinkoff. final confirmation, but it's Contador, Roche, Benati, Jesus Hernandez, Mick Rogers, Sergio Paulinho, Rafael Maica, Mateo Totsato. And Mikhail Morkov. Morkov, yeah. Uh, that's that's not, actually not a bad team. team. Yeah, that's not a bad team. Roche, Hernandez, Rogers can climb. Micah. Micah can do everything. everything. Anyway. Tour de France, uh, all kinds of excitement. Let's get ready for that excitement. And you know how you should celebrate the fact that the Tour de France is about to start by buying a Spiveno cycling jersey? Or kit. It's the only way to celebrate. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And then when once Me, you get it... I celebrate by putting on... I, your what? Oh, sorry. You celebrate I by putting celebrate on your... I celebrate by wearing my really ugly Tour de France-themed knit sweater. <laughs> Did I ever send you a picture of it, Mike? No, I didn't please, see that. Please send me a picture, too, so I can yeah. put it on the... It has a guy shirt. riding a bicycle many times. So one, two, it's three, like a pattern, four, you know? Six times. And he has a striped sweater and a beret, so I'm guessing that's the Peloton. Behind it are some mountains, and in the sky are one, two, three, four, five helicopters. So you tell me what this sweater is all wow. about. It celebrates the Tour de France, absolutely. Yeah, I'll send so, you guys a picture. Please do. I'm going to put it on the website, speedmetalcycling.com. If you want to see that picture, you want to see the links about the articles that we talked about, and if you want to order... The awesome speed metal cycling um, kit, colors inspired by uh, the 1970s movie Le Mans is the name of the movie. Absolutely. Steve McQueen. All right. Check out that movie. It's actually pretty good. Mike, right, Mike I hope you catch um, World Cup fever now that oh. uh, the quarterfinals are about to get started. I wish you a solid, healthy case of World Cup fever. <laughs> Klaus, thank you very much, and uh, good luck with all your projects and stuff that you're working on right now. Anything either of you guys want to plug? Uh, if you're in New York, come to the Rafa Cycle Club every day during the tour and watch it on yes. a big screen. Yes. The giant screen, I and, should say. And every day during the World Cup, go to the uh, Rafa Cycle Club. They are not showing the game. <laughs> and I, ask I, Mike about that. Ask World Mike, and I'll have no idea what you're talking you about. You have no idea, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, a special shout-out to the guys in the... Rafa Cycle Club in San Francisco. What's up, dudes? Yeah, hey, dudes. What's up, dudes? Um, all right. Uh, anything else? No? Nothing? All right. Tour de France. Rock and roll. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs> Pure, 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 pure,